about five years ago, I felt like I wanted to do, yes, I was employed and I continue to be employed in, you know, a day job capacity, but I really wanted to do this for myself. I wanted to, to really own something and to be able to try things on my own, to be creative in ways that I couldn't in, you know, within the the confines of paid employment. And I wanted to be able to take the risks and to try out the ideas that I had and do it for myself. at another episode of Academics Mean Business. Today, we have Dr. Christy Lodge on with us. And let me just tell you, uh, I'm looking at this episode pre-editing, and it's a long one. Christy and I, I mean, the way we converse and talk about things, it was like, we were just like working through some stuff. Some of the things we talked about had to do with kind of the status of academics running businesses she's been around the kind of academic Twitter space uh, longer than I. And so she was giving me some insight and we were having some conversation about what's going on with basically the academy and people leaving it. And there's this term out there for those of you listening who are not uh, aware of it. It's called quitlet. Many of you listening might actually be aware of it. And we talk about how that is a very kind of has a negative connotation. So we get into a lot around that. Um, but of course, we get into her personal story and her background in education is in medieval culture and times. And she realized that that just wasn't a fit for her. So she actually went into higher ed as a career counselor and did a couple things also in the nonprofit sector. And now she runs a coaching and consulting firm. And she actually helps PhDs and other highly educated folks transition into new fulfilling careers. So of course, she's a perfect conversation to have on Academics Mean Business as we get into the conversation of how do we use our skills to create businesses that we love. And so she mentioned her love of storytelling that she's dipped into how do we tell the story about our careers and what impact does that have on us as we make choices for our careers? So the difference between a job and a career, these kind of conversations is what we talked about. So if you're someone who is navigating the messy terrain of trying to maybe find a new career or start a business or potentially leave academia altogether, Christy is definitely someone you want to follow. So enjoy this long and winding conversation. And just know that yes, let's continue this conversation because I think it's so important. So please, please, please reach out to both uh, Christy and I on Twitter and all those other places that she is going to share in the show notes and also at the end of the podcast. Enjoy. All right. Welcome to another episode of Academics Mean Business. Today, my guest is Dr. Christy Lodge, also formerly known as Christine Lodge on her social media accounts. Welcome, Christy. Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me here today. I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. Um, we've definitely had a little back and forth rescheduling and all of that. So it's always a joy when the worlds align or the planets align, however you want to look at it. And we are recording together well on a Tuesday <laughs> we are in July <laughs> on a Tuesday in July hopefully people will be around and hanging out and willing to listen to us on some some July day or August day here 
Um, there we go. Yes. That's always my, the podcaster's dream. Someone out there is listening. Oh, we <laughs> if know. anything, we will both listen. <laughs> we know people are going to listen. We know that we there. do. <laughs> oh, we know this. Uh, we have friends. They like us. It's cool. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming. And I'm just excited to get to hear your story. I, it's my favorite part about doing this show. Um, and the work that you and Lisa were doing together, that's how I was introduced um, to you both um, doing the hashtag with a P. PhD. So folks who are tuning in from, um, you know, that Twitter chat that you guys are running, um, something that I was a guest on, which was amazing. Um, I kind of forgot about Twitter chats. It was definitely my academic self, something I was definitely into. And um, in entrepreneurship, there's not as many. So I love that you guys are keeping up with that and having really awesome conversations about what you can do with a PhD. So for those of you who are listening, who recognize her name, um, this is the Christine Lodge. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know I have super to, fun. I have to laugh at whatever I hear my my formal name because it's mm. just I've never really been called by my formal name throughout my life. So it's always like who? Wait, me? <laughs> and that's that's oh, a wait, whole that's me. <laughs> that's a whole podcast in and of itself, right? Women and their names and and, mm, and the names sure. that we either claim or get we get stuck with. And mm. um, it's interesting. I um, am coming. I am leaving a job at that's been a day job. It's been a, a good, good job, but they have everyone's name be their, everyone's email is their legal name. And oh, yeah. yeah, so trying to train people to say, no, really, please don't call me Christine. Please mm. stop on it. Because people just, they see the email come through and they get conditioned that that's, yep. that's what they need to call you. And it's yep. so, it's so exhausting having to mm-hmm. constantly yeah. train people to stop calling you what you don't want to be called. Um, mm-hmm. And that I'm sure resonates probably with some of, of the listeners out there um, in terms of the exhaustion that you probably feel as far as um, combating what people think about you or assume about you and what mm. you want and who you are. Um, and I can definitely, you know, we could riff on that for a while. We could very much riff on that for um, sure. Yeah, no. And I, and I think, and and then tie that into like social media and like, uh, what's the word? Like the representation of self, like on, you know, internet technology, that kind of thing. And the email is one of those things where it's almost like separate from us, but it ends up creating the reality too. And it, it drifts into the real world, right? Is the reactions. And I was saying to Christy, as she was asking about how she wanted to be introduced to me, she was Christy because that's how I've been engaging with her on Facebook. And so her Facebook account says one thing and some of her other accounts say another. And so to me, it was like, I can see her picture with the name. And so it's clear for me who that is and actually seeing you as Christine threw me off. Um, and yes. so that's that's also interesting in the context of, you know, different social accounts. Um, and, you know, they, they can be almost like as a visual learner, I guess, or someone who kind of closes my eyes and remembers things by what I see. Um, I can see how that would be really hard to unlearn. If all I saw in an email was the name that you didn't want to be called. It's, so you that unlearning process when it when it burns in your brain is the difficult part. It is, and I think um, it gets. It, you had brought up Lindsay's story, right? The idea of telling stories mm. and learning about people's stories, and um, mm-hmm. that's that's what I do, right? And I um, that's mm. what my my practice is is grounded in is listening to people's stories, helping them tell their career story to Mm. different audiences and um social media i think 
brings up, so, it, it's such a rich field there it, yes. it, to think about people's, you know, what story are you telling? And I, I really think about Facebook, interestingly, I guess, you know, being old, I'm putting old in air quotes here. <laughs> Please do. Being Make old. sure those are in air quotes. <laughs> yeah. My birthday is coming up in a couple of weeks. So I'm thinking old. Oh, nice. And um, d- just this feeling that um, Facebook, you know, I, having, you know, having Facebook be, you know, this is my personal life and where mm-hmm. I share my personal story. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I have a separate page for my business and it's like, yep. but, but things kind of merging and getting blurry you know, yep. oh, I use Twitter for you know for my own coaching business, and I'm out there on Twitter that way. And then, mm-hmm. then there's LinkedIn, and uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think in the context of storytelling, they're they're different mediums, and they have yes. different ways of consuming content. So the way you present on these different um, platforms is. It, you need to respect the platform, right? Like what, um, how that content is consumed. So now Instagram has, you know, TV and it has stories and it has pictures. So you can't really take your Facebook post and put it to your Instagram audience because it's actually a different audience that's consuming things in a in a way that they expect to consume it. So it's visual, right? Right, And exactly. then it's behind the scenes. Yeah, so I love talking about this stuff. Yes. It's so interesting. It is because you get, it's it's people really having to make decisions about mm. stories and representation and what is the story that's going to be on Instagram versus yep. what is the story that's going to be on Facebook versus what is the story that you're you're putting out there and I think there's this this feeling that somehow we tell a holistic story about ourselves mm. um, and you know I'd be I would love to chat with some people that are really way more knowledgeable about branding than I am I have I have an mm. interest in branding especially because of the storytelling perspective but I'm yep. very much the I'm very much a branding I would say a branding you know novice here. Sure, but um, just this feeling like, oh, your brand, your brand, your brand is a monolithic. Mm-hmm. Your brand, your story, your brand, mm-hmm. and um, when when we feel like we need to have this, you know, whole, you know, holistic kind of overarching story, when really it feels like um, there's just so many different stories that you could yep. potentially tell, and that's and perspective, and per- too, exactly. Right? perspective exactly. is a big piece that I'm I'm figuring out it like behind the scenes a cool perspective like I think my husband shot a picture or sorry I think he shot a like Instagram story of me doing the podcast I wasn't shooting it mm-hmm. but the perspective of this is what Lindsay looks like as she's like recording a podcast episode and from an out, like actually an outsider because it wasn't me holding up my camera. Of course we could talk about selfies, but like it, it, that whole thing of Instagram is behind the scenes and making it feel like I'm telling that story, but then people listen to the podcast and they're hearing it in their earbuds. We're talking and recording this in July and they'll probably get it in August, um, end of August, early September. And so that's, there's, uh, like all this asynchronous stuff happening and there's stuff happening from different angles and it's really cool like the the time we live in because it's actually making story richer i think in a sense of that it isn't just one facade that it's 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 multiple uh, there's multiple angles 
that kind of thing comes up for me as uh, someone who tries to create content and have this brand like how you're like right brand. like that, that overarching <laughs> yeah omnipresent thing that we like all are supposed to have um yeah i love it i think that's a, a really interesting way of looking at it and i think you may not be a branding like you know whatever like that's your like niche but like I don't know if niche is the right word, but like expertise maybe. Um, but that's also what I love too, is how as academics, we can bring our research and our interest into this space where some people aren't thinking about it like that. And so you can almost challenge this idea that there is one story to be told and one overarching brand because of your, you know, background, um, just what the academic does is we talk, you know, we study things, we pick it apart, we unpack, um, and we challenge, right. The way things are done. So super cool. Absolutely. And I think for academics, it's almost, it's almost harder and more frustrating because Mm. you come in with this knowledge and, and ability to question, unpack, um, we think, you know, we think and think Mm. and think and think. And, and sometimes that can be, I think, make it a little bit more challenging when you're sure. thinking about what's what is the story that Why I want to tell acting like this right yeah. then you want to lay yeah. you want to lay in your living room floor and say oh there's everything's story there's no story <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but really coming coming back to what I think find fascinating is um because of course I'm I'm working with people who are trying to tell career stories and be in career transition mm-hmm. and, and try and make sense of things um, in this nice package so that they can go out and network mm-hmm. or interview <laughs> when it's mm-hmm. often very messy and complicated. Sure. And- I realize I haven't even told you my own story, which I'll get to. No, and so I was just going to be like, there's going to be a cool segue in here. Um, yeah, I mean, I would love to hear, Christy, about your your academic background, what yes. you studied, your research, um, what that journey looks like. And then we can definitely talk about, um, yeah, your business and how that's informing your business. Sure. But I will tie this off to say with for academics, sure. you know, in terms of our, our, you know, we bring this, you know, ability to step outside ourselves and question it. Mm. And what I think is also interesting and also a fun challenge like for those of us who are in business and trying to figure out how do we present ourselves and tell our story. And, mm. um, but this tension between being a professional and also being genuine. And often I think that mm. they are in tension because yeah, you, 100%. you really, you get the message. Well, don't be too genuine. Right. I, mm. <laughs> um, I don't want to know too much. Too much yeah. Right. Well, there's, yeah. there's, there's too much you could disclose or there's things mm-hmm. that, you don't or it's manipulative. Say. That's yeah. another thing in like marketing that, oh, maybe they're just telling that story to make me buy something. I mean, it's all in there. Yep. Yeah. So there's all these layers and and, and yep. things that go into crafting. You know, we even talk about crafting. It's hard work. Mm. It's hard work to tell your story. And um, mm. this has been actually, I would say, probably a lifelong fascination for me. And in, in yeah. it's evolved in different forms and different guises over the years. But um I have, so my PhD is in English literature and with a concentration Mm. in medieval studies. I trained as a medievalist and Mm. um, yeah, I trained as an Anglo-Saxonist. So I, you know, went even further into the really weird (laughs) end of English literature and Mm -hmm. um, just, I love medieval literature and culture. What can I say? But, um, but the thing that drove me in medieval literature really was the interest in stories and how people are are Mm. talking about stories and the fact that we're viewing it through so many different lenses, the fact you're viewing Mm. through distance, the fact that, you know, we have only a small body of work extant at this point. So we don't 
know the whole story. We can't know the whole mm. story. We're seeing some mm -hmm. of it. And then there's a lot of speculation that can happen to say, well, you know, was this really the prevailing view or is this just because this is what's left? And why, why is it that we have, you know, this manuscript left? What was it about? Why did this story get written down and preserved when we know probably other things didn't? So like, all of those kinds of questions really come from my interest in stories and how people, you know, talk about and, and what do we tell and how do we tell it and why? Um, and mm. so that's my dissertation was on is in that topic. So I wrote about saints' lives, and um, I was really interested in again that this this space of the story as this ground where you have an author, you have a received form, and you know what happens when those two things collide, and mm. what is going on in that space where you know what 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 issues come up because I I really focused on the kind of biographical saints' lives, the, the ones mm. that are a little bit longer okay. and, and really focused on one person in their life, basically. So again, I'm you know, interested in this idea of, of not just reception, but also you know, what, are, what are people doing and what, are, what actions are they taking to actively tell a story, put it out there? Mm. And then, of course, you know, I've had um, a career in higher ed with, um, mm -hmm. with doing career counseling and Again, helping people figure out, you know, what is the story? What, how do they make sense of where they are at, at a certain point in their life? And mm. then what do they want to do going forward? And sort of getting, you know, getting, being in that space with people is really, yeah. is really amazing. And again, I am so honored that so many people have, have trusted me to share their stories mm. with me. And, mm -hmm. and talk about their situations because it's not easy in any way. I'm sure you've seen, you know, with people coming, you know, and saying, oh, I, I need some help. Asking for help is hard. And then going to somebody mm -hmm. and saying, I don't have a career direction and I'm scared mm -hmm. and I feel all kinds of emotions around that. Yeah, that's a very vulnerable mm -hmm. moment for sure. It is. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to see the stories that people tell and how they evolve over time as people move kind of mm. from a space of very extreme kind of vulnerability to more confidence and, and direction. And then, then the story, you know, morphs over time. Um, and then, so I've been working in recruiting. So on the flip side of like, you know, mm. hearing the stories and hearing how people choose to tell the stories in terms of getting hired. Um, and then, I'm now coming, the circle is moving again. So in my mm -hmm. new role, I'm going to be going back into higher ed and I'm going to be working with graduate students um, mm. and doing some career coaching with graduate students. I so, yeah. And, it, and, it, and in a coaching model, not a counseling model? Yeah, it'll be much more of a, yeah, more of the, more of the coaching and professional development cool. model. Yeah, which I'm really mm -hmm. come to embrace. So, mm. Definitely, definitely. So I have a question and um, definitely a, a pivotal, I don't know, point of the podcast or the episode where you kind of share when you realized that you wanted to make money outside of your positions in higher ed and and what that looks like for you and what made you make that decision or where you were. Tell us that story. Yes, I know. <laughs> um, share that side of, of, of your journey. That would be amazing. The whole other story and the part of the mm, kind of the point of this right? podcast, right? Yeah. Right. We Weird. In, we get lost in stories. <laughs> Weird. I know. Well, yes. So <laughs> that is another 
key part of my story, which is so I mm. my business is called Inkipit Career. Um, mm. And that Inkipit is Latin for it begins. We had to be mm. geeky about it. Of course. <laughs> And um, so I really wanted to start my own business. I want to say about five years ago, I felt like okay. I wanted to do, yes, I was employed and um, mm -hmm. I continue to be employed in, you know, a day job capacity, but I really wanted wanted to do this for myself. I wanted mm. to, to really own something and to be able to try, I mean, try things on my own, to be creative mm. in ways that I couldn't in, you know, within the, the confines of, and I use that word, um, confines yeah. of, of paid employment. Um, yeah. You know, that comes with, as you well know, that comes with limitations. Yep. And um, I really wanted to try it for myself. I wanted to mm. be able to take the risks and to try out the ideas that I had and and do it for myself. So yep. I was thinking about this actually kind of um, family impact because mm. my mom owned, you know, so my parents got divorced when I was six and my mom had been, she'd owned her own um, salon. My mom was, oh, yeah, nice. she was, she was a hairdresser, cosmetologist. Mm -hmm. So she had owned her own salon, had people working for her. So she was running her own business. And then, you mm -hmm. know, with divorce, she wound up having to sell that. And um, mm. so she then kind of moved back into, she never owned her own, you know, she didn't have her own salon at that same kind of capacity. But she, what she did was she converted part of our garage into her own salon. Yes. And yep. yep. And I mean, it's just like for so many, I think for so many, you know, women, the side gig, the side yep. hustle, Yep. I, I mean, that unfolded in my childhood life where, mm -hmm. you know, my mom would, you know, she had, she had clients who would still come to her. And so she would work on the side, you know, evenings and weekends, she would, you know, do some perms. It was the eighties. <laughs> mm -hmm. <Do laughs> lots of perms. Oh God, lots of perms. <laughs> yeah. Um, she would, you know, so she would, you know, do people's hair, um, mm -hmm. out, you know, literally out of our garage that she had converted into, you know, it was, it was the real deal. You know, we had, she yeah. had the real, the full on, you know, helmet hair dryers and mm -hmm. stuff. So it, um, I realized that I think there was a part of me that felt like, oh, that's, that's not legitimate. Right. But it's mm -hmm. totally legitimate. And here was mm -hmm. my mom being an entrepreneur and mm -hmm. I completely absorbed this without even thinking about it. So then to come back to it, just, I already had a role model for that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I would wonder how many, how many women, professional women out there have a story like that, where you know, they had women in their lives that ran small businesses, side gigs, and yep. just, they didn't, you don't even think about it. So that's, mm -hmm. so, um, as I said about, about five years ago and, um, I was also kind of, this started before I was going through a divorce, but going through a divorce also could have clarified some things for me and helped me say, okay, I'm, I want to do this for myself. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to tell my own story and mm. I don't necessarily need to have other people telling me how I should present my own story or mm. I should do it like this. So, um, that's where I am. And I'm in that, that place, that, that place of, okay, well, 
I want to grow. I, I, I want to be able to work with more people. And I'm in that place of, okay, so how do I carve out the time to do that? Because I have two kids who I have um, with me 50% of the time. So, and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and a full-time day job. So mm-hmm. life is busy, but it's not boring. I can tell you that. Mm. Yeah. And I think as academics, we love to have things on our plate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we pretend that there's this beautiful world of like no, nothing to do. But, um, you know, the busiest person is the person who's going to get it done. Right. Right. <laughs> um, because, yeah, they like know how to, um, yeah, like set up projects and and carve out the time. And um, what I really like about your story um, that I definitely see a thread is this idea of you creating something and that institutions or, you know, paid labor, um, as you as you said, actually stifle that in yeah. so many ways. Yeah. And um, uh, Kate Brown was saying this. Uh, Where did she say this at? I saw it on a thread. I want to attribute it to her because it really it really hit home for me and thinking about the side hustle, the, you know, may, you know, kind of taking ownership of things we create and, and yes, selling it and making money from it and being paid to be able to create more. That's a, a good thing. She was saying, um, she was saying the word uh, side hustle as self care. And what I love about that, and that I hear in your story too, it's we're taking care of ourselves, but we're taking care of our families. We're providing a livelihood for them. And when the institution isn't paying us enough to potentially do that, or we're not getting the creative outlet that we should be getting in these jobs that we signed up for, um, then, you know, it's in our hands to do it differently or add to what we add to our life to be able to be like, yes, that like I'm living my purpose and the things I want to be doing. And they can live side by side. I think that's the key about the side hustle. For some people, it's not to totally leave, um, the institution, but it is to carve space for projects and things that you're working on and that there isn't necessarily anything wrong with that. And I think that really came through in um, your story. Awesome. And I I agree with so much with so much of all of that, Lindsay. And I love what you're quoting Kate Brown of terms of Mm -hmm. the the self-care part of the side hustle. self-care piece, yeah. Because I think it can be scary to yeah, step into this kind definitely. of role and definitely have had to face the fear of, oh my God, uh, it will eat me alive. I will never have any time for myself or mm. whatever that might be. Or or actually a lot of it is around, um, which I think so many of us have as well, is you know the fear of failure. What if yeah. it, it actually works out and I underperform or I don't produce or I let everybody mm. down and then yep. then I'm a failure and <laughs> um getting comfortable with failure I think all of us have to get comfortable with failure uh it's just a part of life and yep. and here we are and I know that uh, that's that's such a hard lesson I think for women academics especially I don't I you mm-hmm. know I don't want to exclude I don't want to exclude male academics, but for women academics, especially there, I think there's this real pressure to, to step up and take on the service and do it better, better. do all the things, do all the things and, and just, you know, just keep chugging to that line of Mm -hmm. um, tenure. But then what happens? I mean, (laughs) 
it it doesn't yep. look as if necessarily once you chug across the tenure line, it's going to be it's going to be dramatically improved. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I can't speak because I was not a person chugging towards the tenure line. Um, yeah. I figured out while I was writing my dissertation that trying to to go on the job market and try even you know and trying for an academic job, I was on the job market for about ten minutes. And um, <laughs> really, really experienced that. Yeah, you know, this is just not the right fit for me. It, it's just mm. not being a full time professor. I admire the people who do it. I admire the people yep. who produce the research. Yeah. That's just not me. And one of the things it took me forever. Speaking of failure, speaking of the shame, <laughs> speaking of all the fun stuff, um, it really took me until recently to figure this out and. I sort of, I took my full-time job while I was writing my dissertation. So I kind of left in 2006 when I took my full-time job. I defended in 2010. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. when you when you work full-time and you write a dissertation, it's it takes a little longer. It takes a while. <laughs> yep, yep. And your committee does isn't happy with you, but that's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> so, but what it took me until this year, and we're talking, now this is 2018 and I finished eight years ago. It took me mm-hmm. to this point to say, I don't like to write in an academic style. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. It took me eight years <laughs> to admit that to, to yourself. Admit that to myself. <laughs> yeah. I had to get off the train of, oh, I'm a failure. I'm a bad ah, writer. Oh, yeah. Be- yeah. because I, I'm doing air quotes again, can't do this. Mm, um, you can't hang. Yeah, right. In, instead <laughs> yeah. of it, instead of me being able to say, you know what, this is a skill that I can do, but I don't like doing it. So it takes yeah. me longer to do it. Yep. And that's okay. This and and just because I'm not good at this skill doesn't mean I'm I'm good. I'm not good at other kinds of writing. It, yep. but really. <laughs> It's a, it's eight years, and I my mind was eight blown years. by that yeah. to say, wow, it really yep. took me eight years, and 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 I was being a whole like a career counselor like all that time and telling other people, and could I listen to my own words? No, uh, <laughs> it took it really. It took me. It it just took that time for me to finally yeah. say, oh, you know what? Well, honestly, I have to say thank you to the muse because it took you know getting published in the muse to say, yeah, actually, mm. I'm fine. <laughs> yep, I needed yep, that external yep. validation, but um, it, it it just it go it really goes to show the to the power of the stories that we tell ourselves. Yep, yep, yep. hundred thousand a bajillion percent, yep. Yep. <laughs> and because it's a story, we can change it, right. right? And just like that, yes, you might have had to take eight years to realize it, but all the other things you were doing in your life led you up to being able to realize it isn't worth holding on to that identity or that external validation that you know I am good enough that it doesn't matter what the journal says or it doesn't matter and. Yep. It's so funny. I love how these interviews pan out. It, also, it's probably me. So I, my first interview this morning was with uh, Christina Hallett. And you'll probably be able to hear this episode. And she talked a lot. And she's a therapist um, 
and she also um, teaches full time at an institution. She'll talk about that. But oh my gosh, that's all we talked about. We talked about taking risk, yes. the fear of failure, external validation that if we we are all worthy for just being, right. <laughs> but as academics, we're trained that our worthiness lies within a grade, within um, a certain you know acceptance into a certain journal, um, yes. you know a, a title of a position, and so we're striving for that. And then when we don't get it for whatever reason, which in many cases might not even involve our own stuff, um, right. our own skill, it's other things outside of our control, like them not picking you for a full-time job is not your own abilities, but often fit yeah. and other weird things that you have no idea. But whatever story you're telling yourself about not getting it, that's where... I think the growth lies. And I think what it took me to realize was being an entrepreneur, which is a whole different way of being in the world. Um, I don't eh, It's a different way of being in the world. I'm still me. But there's things that I have that these actions that are taking that I wasn't expecting to take in my life that I didn't feel fully prepared for. And um, so yeah, it, it was a different move for me. And until I made that different move, did I realize, you know, some of the rid- ridiculousness of, of academia or like some of the things that were in my mind of what I believed about the world, about myself, um, about, you know, money, about like lots of different things? Oh, shoot. It's like and it's almost like that perspective shift we kind of talked about a little yes. bit earlier of the story. When you put yourself in a new situation, in a new environment, that's when you start to realize, oh, that's what was wrong about this or you know, this is what I was sacrificing or this is what I was, um, you know, I don't know, telling myself the story I was creating. I, yes. And so, yeah, I think you're bringing up such an, an interesting by admitting that it took you that yeah. long. It's also <laughs> so relatable, like so relatable, like what we hang on to um, the last pieces of some of that. And I, yeah, that's so interesting. to it me. It is. And it just it comes it comes back to that whole thing, too, of right when you change a de- what you ch- like, look at my language right now. So I'm talking about uh, people in transition, career transition, you know, whatever kinds mm. of transitions you go through, you you shift and you change. But it doesn't mean that, you know, you, it's like you took off the professor outfit, yes. right? Or you took, yep, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. now I'm going to put on recruiter outfit. And, and so I yeah. am transformed into recruiter. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and sometimes I think we, we do feel like that. Like, oh, well, yeah. Yeah. So my identity today is I'm putting professor outfit mm. on or I'm putting mom outfit on. <laughs> The costume. Yeah, the costume. Yeah. This is very like Goffman-esque like sociology yes. stuff too, right? Like the front the front stage of like the social norms and behaviors and like things associated with that identity. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because I think um, yep. we are just so, it comes back to that. I can't even finish my sentences apparently right now. So <laughs> hey, it's end of day. It's, we'll just have to be like, guys, <laughs> you're listening to this in succession with other podcast episodes. We're a little, we're a little bouncing. We're everywhere. a little bouncing no and part of it is I think my I've just got I am I'm an external processor. So all my ideas are coming and I'm like blah, 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 blah. Me too. Um Me I know too. it's kind of bad when you get two external processors in our in our in a virtual That's room. why having a podcast is great. I just externally process out to the, right. <laughs> the world through a microphone. People, if you are internal processors, hang yeah. in there. <laughs> we'll finish <Yeah>. a sentence. <laughs> we promise. <laughs> um, 
but this this whole notion, right? And if you if you leave academia, right, you mm-hmm. gotta leave it, right? And I see people are. I went through this too. I got depressed when I was in mm-hmm. grad school. I think everybody was depressed at one point or another. Right. But of well, this is in alignment. So why don't I? Why can't I just get in the grad student why box? Can why it? can't I just mm-hmm. totally mm-hmm. and completely put on the grad student costume and be fine with it? And it's like, well, it didn't work that way because that's not how it works. But I think academia um, reinforces it. Oh, here's here's Christie's soapbox now. Um, Go for it. <laughs> we really do want to reinforce the the ladder and the hierarchy. And in some ways, yep. that's wonderful and comforting, right? Because you don't have to mm-hmm. guess. You don't have to think yep. what is coming next you know Mm -hmm. what you're supposed to be doing really Mm -hmm. we're told these are the expectations it's this journal it's this conference it's this many publications it's this many papers Mm -hmm. it's this many conferences it's within this time frame blah 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 yep 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 and that and then coupled with that of the external I need permission, right? Uh, you know, I need mm. permission to, to you know, a, a committee is going to decide whether or not I pass my qualifying exam. Yep. I remember getting my qualifying exam feedback and it was radically different. It was like one person loved this essay and the other person hated the essay. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. um, well, where do I, where do I go with this? <laughs> mm-hmm. um what's mm-hmm. the story here because there's different i have two different stories here so i passed that's okay um and you know we, we we're we're used to this getting that okay the the committee said that you know i'm now my proposal passed and now i can you know write my dissertation okay i defended my dissertation okay um all of these these checkpoints of external validation checkpoints yeah and yep. Then I think for people when it hits and they either by choice or because of just the logistics of the market, people are not moving forward to the next rung on that ladder. And then it's this like, well, there, where's there's no other ladder. Like, what do you, what am I supposed to do now? I mean, people, mm. you know, it, it is a metaphorical, literal free fall. Yeah. I'm going to mix. Oh, that's a yeah. great way of looking at I, it. Because, oh, wait, you know, I, I did what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I climbed up and I passed the checkpoints, but now there's no rung. There's no other rung for me. And, and people mm. get stuck. And it's, it's a real scary thing because all yep. of a sudden, right, if you've, you've been told this is your story, this is your story, this is your story. And then mm. it's like, oh, go off and make up your own story now. We, you know, we're done. We're done here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good luck. Good luck. <laughs> and oh yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 people, you, you can just see people coming to terms with, with that. Um, I, I see um, Quitlet as as really it's grief journaling, and people mm-hmm. are in in it public really in, in public ways making sense yep. of the story. Yeah, and that's a legit thing, and and it's sad when people. Mm-hmm 
hate on Quitlet because really this is just people they're they're, they're trying they're they're making sense out of it and they're processing they're it. Liter- they're processing yeah an institution I'm just um coming off of another episode which will be your previous to your episode um Unjali talks about this feeling that the the institution never cared for you this whole entire time right. right they they could care less about you the institution and you know the as an as an abstract entity but that's kind of the key <laughs> if you start to think about it and i think it's really re- like getting to the core of what we're talking about which is like it it is inherently op- oppressive um, in all the different other you know ways in the in the macro way that that we live in oppressive society right so of course the institution holds those same um, or puts those same constraints on people within it um, and so then as people are exiting and going oh this wasn't what I thought it was going to be and as they're processing it telling their story when the story doesn't fit what is mainstream told about academia. I think that's, that's the other thing. There's this gap, right? There's this gap between the public knowledge and understanding of higher education, particularly in the United States as both of us being products of, yes. unless you're not, which I, we didn't oh, talk no, I'm a U.S. Yo, I'm totally a U.S. product. US. I did cool. not do my, I did not do my graduate work in another country. Abroad no, or anything like abroad. that. Okay, cool. So yeah, so both of us operating in that, in like coming from, right, being born of it, if you want to say even, and then and then publicly, like how we're represented. I I think there also is this like romantic fairy tale, what the professor does, like what college is, like what it looks like for students, um, you know, what their experience is. And when you get to what you're talking about, this storytelling, right, the representation of what our experiences are, and that there are people that, you know, oh, Quitlet does X, Y, and Z for, you know, academia or higher ed. It's like, you realize that it's a symptom of this larger problem with the institution that we all like, that I felt like I I gave everything to and that I was pouring into without getting very much back, that all the things I was getting back was from my students and those relationships. And then you start to go, oh, you actually don't care what happens to me. And as I sat on so many different, like, you know, I was in the union. So I that was a, the faculty experience was a lot of what I... Um, you know, went through often. And so as I would, I would hear these stories of the way people were being treated. And, you know, we would go and beg for a 1% raise, and it would be told no over and over right. again, um, at, you know, at the community college specifically. But it's that kind of stuff when I when I started to step out, and it's like, oh, leaving this thing is they like people really actually like it doesn't care, it's going to go on without me. But like, how is me leaving it a, how am I creating an, an alternative? Right. And um, Unjali's episode is really going to set the stage for this conversation because it, she was like, we're basically imagining a new way, an alternative way of using our knowledge and our way of seeing the world and how we interact with the world and all this, the fun stuff that we get as academics, maybe fun is the wrong word, but whatever, (laughs) but that the things that we've internalized, right. And then now we're imagining another way of putting it out into the world. And like, we're writing that story, which feels really 
empowering. And so for people that think negatively, it's funny because I've I heard of Quitlet only looking back and doing this yeah. academics mean business stuff. Um, and I feel like you're more you've been more involved in it longer because of your your uh, your business. Yes. Right. And um, your yeah, the, the fact that you help people with this transition. So I'm sure you could maybe provide a little more context for people who don't know what it is. And I would actually love to hear what is the critique of, of Quitlet <laughs> to me? It's just like, oh. Uh, Yes, we're failing. We're failing our faculty left and right. Right. I okay. I loved what you said, Lindsay, about the idea that this story doesn't fit the narrative. All right, I'm gonna mm, I'm yes. gonna break out the English words here, and we're gonna let's say, do it. We're gonna talk let's about narrative it. and narrative. I think this is my next big research project in my mm. five minutes of spare time. But this narratives of success and that yes. come that come out of different types of organizations or careers. There's a, there's narratives of success and yep. academia has a narrative of success. Yep. And that yep. is a tenured person. Correct. Right. There's that's, no other. There is no other. <laughs> I don't and, know anything like immediately. That's what well, it is. And I, I have to say institutions reinforce this in terms of yep. when they send out their newsletter, right? Do you get a department newsletter by any chance? From from your oh, graduate not anymore, department. Thank God. Thank God. Right. But, and they, <laughs> nope. I have to shut off that email. No, we're not. We're not even dealing with this anymore. Like I'm. Don't don't send me that <laughs> narrative of success. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> but it's true. When I I mean this was something I was aware of. Again, I think because of this longstanding interest in narrative and story. Of mm-hmm. I was very aware of signaling that the department did. Um, in terms of they would put out this newsletter, and I think other departments, I'm sure do. They do mm-hmm. this or they put on their website, here's mm-hmm. the placements, right? And and it's all about mm. who got a tenure track job, who published yep. a whatever, a book, an article, a blah, blah, blah. And right, you're not going to see in that kind of narrative of success, you're not going to see you, Lindsay, you're not going to see me. Nope. Um, that it's just not, it doesn't fit the narrative of success. No. No. For various different reasons, and I'll speculate. For one thing, it's it's you know probably scary, honestly, to to imagine yes. that they're not. Ooh, that's a good point. Well, because people, are, that's failure. That's failure. Yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of sensitivity around around that. If you pay close attention um, to what you know when people respond to. The pejorative, it really is a pejorative term, Quitlet. Sure. Um, when yep. you when when people write about their grief at mm. not getting a tenure track job or their grief that they just um, have chosen to leave. And yeah. and even if you choose to leave, there's grief, right? You're closing yeah. one door, you're going yep. in a different direction. Yep. You know, you're then faced with how do I take this part of my identity and and bring it with me and integrate and mm. and adapt because yep. i will say i'm i'm pr- i'm a proud humanist i'm you know i'm a product of humanistic training i'm mm-hmm. proud of that i still use the skills that mm-hmm. i developed in the phd program i use them daily i'm just not yep. going to use them in you know to support being a tenured mm. professor Okay. As the, out, as the outcome, as the goal. Exactly. Yep. I mean, I, yep. but those skills came from my own innate 
interests and desires that were separate from mm. a graduate program. I, yeah. I got to a graduate program because of who I am, not because of who the graduate program is. No. And that's yeah. a thing. And that was a tool to exactly. you know, further refine your craft. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. And we don't see it that way. We have no. it flipped, right? Yep. We and and God forbid we would say that. And and people mm. like us, um, and you know, the many of us who are out there with PhDs, whether we're running our own businesses or we're in nonprofits or corporates, um, mm -hmm. I think that that's potentially frightening because mm -hmm. we're saying, yeah, great. I have a PhD. I'm proud of that. But I'm not over here in the academy producing mm -hmm. a certain kind of knowledge. I'm using my skills and producing a different kind of knowledge. This is a different mm -hmm. kind of knowledge. It's great knowledge, <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's, it doesn't fit the narrative of success. No. No. And when someone pops up and says, I'm angry that I didn't get a tenure track job. I'm angry that I, I feel abandoned. I'm angry mm. or I feel betrayed or I feel all these things. Well, we, we don't want to deal with that. Mm. Right. <laughs> because what does that mean yes. about the system that we've built? Right. Yes. What does that mean about us? What does that mean about those who are sticking with it and trying with it when it hurts? You're bringing right. up such an interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I never thought thought, well, no, I have thought about it in the context of like, we we know that that graduate programs and the way PhD systems are like the way it, it's set up as a as a system, right? It's kind of messed up, right? There's, yeah. <laughs> there's oh, only yeah. so many jobs. And and so the idea that the the public narrative, the mainstream narrative, um, the dominant narrative um, is like, oh, people with PhDs are professors, right? We've been we've been trying to putting a doctor in front of your name was like messy for a while. And people now are like, oh, you can also have be a doctor and not medi a medical doctor, right? And so we've been fighting for that like claim. And then it's like messy, though, now where it's like, we're, there's such a population of us that have gone through that system. And then, you know, some of us did land jobs and are deciding to leave them. But right. In many cases, many people are doing whatever they can to get that job. And so the people who've made it, right, what does that mean for the people who've made it and now get to hold the positions of power, right? The gatekeepers at these various levels that decide, you know, your committee that decide whether or not, um, you know, you you pass, um, you know, your tenure committee, uh, the people who are deciding whether or not you, you know, get a next interview, like all these positions of power. Oh, I played by the rules and I made it. Therefore, it says I'm a good, I did this right. amazingly, right? right? And exactly. then And then people are writing you know, something like, you know, explaining their grief and walking away and choosing otherwise. So what does that mean about those who hold power and the choices yes. they made yes. and about the system that they're upholding? So of course right. it's scary. Mm -hmm. And um, for them, because, oh my gosh, what does that mean about me? Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. it's, it's awkward. I mean, it's hard stuff to, to deal with. And, and I'm, you know, and again, if you pay attention and you look at the language and you look at who responds to, to you, know, just mm. like, you know, again, that term quitlet, who uses that term, 
who mm. responds to it and and the snarky letters. I mean, if you go in Chronicle and you read who's writing the snarky letters. Yep. Um, <laughs> is he and, old? Is he white? Does he? Right. He, I could go down the yeah, list. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a real thing. And you go, okay. It's a real thing. What is this for you? What is this mm-hmm. for you? Uh, it, mm-hmm. What is this language? Why do you need to say this? Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. Why, 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 why? Um, <laughs> I'm, but having being very But we sensitive, know why, right? right we, we know, know why. exactly why. Because yeah. it's to diminish their stories. It's to, you know, uphold the status quo. Um, yeah, all those things, all those we, things. whether even if it's subconscious or not, um, it's not. I mean, we we pick and choose language because it has meaning. And it I mean, obviously, Quitlet has a great ring to it. It, does. <laughs> it rhymes really well. But the word quit means something. Um, it does. Yeah. And, and people yep. are not quitting voluntarily. And, mm-hmm. and that is a legitimate thing. People, yep. Pe- I mean, to, yeah. To are they in a position lit, of power qu- mm-hmm. quitting? Is it empowerment? It's, it's often not. Yeah. It's, yep. it's not empowerment because, you know, what if we called it leave lit um, mm-hmm. or we called exit it lit. exit lit <laughs> or we called it, I didn't get the job lit. Mm-hmm. Um, when we mm-hmm. start exploring other we start exploring other names or even putting other labels on this, it opens up yeah. a chance to say, oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that this, is, this, is not, this is not okay <laughs> when it comes down yeah. to it. Um, this is d- yucky and hard and, mm. and, and you know, also diminishes people's like, real and legitimate grief mm. at um, – not getting, not having things turned out, as you said, yeah. feeling like you poured, you use that language, you know, pouring yourself into yep. a job. Um, yep. And those are, those are real, um, real, real legitimate feelings to feel. Yep. 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 So, hmm. yeah, no, when you, when you start, you know, listening and paying attention to language and, and mm-hmm. everyone does, but but again, this there's I feel like we're really grappling um, with this idea of what is this what is quote unquote the story? How mm. do I engage with quote unquote the story when mm-hmm. there's really so many stories? I, I we yep. were we were having that chat um, with a PhD chat a couple of weeks ago. We talked about titles and mm. do you use doctor? Do you ask for doctor? Yeah. And uh-huh. You know, there's legitimate reasons why someone would say, hey, I, you know, as a person of color, I am asking you to use, use yep. doctor and use my title yep. and for, for good reasons. Um, yep. So it's interesting because to think about, do I insist on people calling me doctor? If I do, mm. when do I? Mm-hmm. And having kind of the, the more n- nuanced awareness that our stories there are more, um, I don't want to say, yeah, they're more nuanced. They're, yep. they're deeper than just kind of the story. Mm. And we struggle with, we struggle with that awareness. It's really interesting because I think with, with many kinds of narratives, we have an awareness that, well, there's more to this picture or, you know, well, that's a very, you know, white patriarchal story mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. This this was this ep- this event was told from this point of this yep. this point of view or 
but but when when it comes to interestingly careers, I'm eternally fascinated that we're still stuck with this kind of there's a story. Mm. Because and why do you think that is? Like I'd love to hear you go a little bit deeper there because part of me is like our identity is so intertwined with the work that we do in the world for better and worse, right? So, and and we're paid. So then we're a part of a capitalist system that pays us for that labor that we put into the world, right? right. So it's, intricri- it's intricately tied to who we are, unfortunately, as a person, because we spend so much of our time doing like this labor. And one thing that has been, you know, powerful for me was what if I controlled all of that? And that's yes. what entrepreneurship has been challenging versus being a paid employee. And the, that employee mindset, which as an academic, we share with people in corporate, we share with people in nonprofits, we share with anybody being paid by someone else. <laughs> and yes. you don't call the shots. Um, and that mindset, that employee mindset is very different than an entrepreneur mindset. So I'd love to hear you know, your thoughts on that and how that is impacting you wearing both hats that you're wearing right now. I know it is. It's so interesting. And I do think about that, Lindsay, a lot in terms mm-hmm. of, oh, yeah. So I, you know, when I go to work, right, I'm, I have, I put my employee costume on. Yep. <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> Back to the costume. Right. And because <laughs> yep. um, it just seems like such a powerful metaphor in a way, that I think. Yep. Um, and here I am and and you fitting in and, and there's a part of me that enjoys that and enjoys being part of a mm. team and part, you know, contributing to the sure. larger goal. Yay. Um, and then also though, you know, I I definitely have learned to to say there's there's the part of me that's that does this, and then there's a part of me that's different and, and fulfilled through my entrepreneurial activities, through, mm-hmm. you know, co-running this chat with Lisa that we've been doing mm-hmm. for over a year now, we are, and I have to say, we are standing on the shoulders of giants there because um, yeah. Jennifer Polk started that um, yes. with, with a PhD and and we took over after she wanted to focus on some other things. So I've been very lucky to be able to contri- mm. you know, can continue um, in a more independent way and, and have, sure. have a more, and, and that, and have a more, you know, contribution that comes like, this is mine, and I'm initiating it, and I'm moving it mm. forward, and I'm taking the risks. And um, mm. right now, anyway, I, I'm able to segue between those, although it's not always easy. Because as sure. you say, they're really, they are different skill sets to be part of the team and yep. part of, you know, doing the doing the work of the paid employee. And accountable. I, and accountable. I hear in my head, like there's accountable, like, you, like someone is expecting you to show up and like right. carry out a set of responsibilities and tasks, right? Um, in exchange for a paycheck at the end of the month or whatever. Right. So yeah. Although yep. I'm accountable to my clients. I'm sure you are too. In sure. Terms of, no. Yep, and yeah. It's, but it's different. Yep. It really is different. It's different. Um, mm-hmm. In this way of, and I, I do love that. And in, in, in terms of, oh, I get to work, you kind of, and I bring me and here's me and you can come and work mm-hmm. with me and we'll work in partnership. Yes. But, you know, I, you know, it, it is much more immediate and direct and, Mm-hmm. And we're and and I get to really bring more of myself instead of here's me as part of the organization. Um, yes, right, representing the organization yes, in many ways. Exactly. Yep. Well, mm-hmm. yes, and I've been in that you know kind of very customer service facing. You know, I represent mm. the organization role, and and that is definitely that can be 
an energizing but also challenging place to be. Yeah, especially I think it's it's really interesting for a- academics who transition um, into other kinds of paid work that's non non entrepreneurial because you're you are you have to be very independent as an academic. You have to take high levels of responsibility mm-hmm. and ownership. You have to push things forward. You have to be comfortable with initiating. Um, and again, you know, working independently and providing structure for yourself. So then sometimes when you come into these environments and you're like, wait, oh, wait, you want me to do what now? <laughs> mm-hmm. like, oh, you have this whole structure in place and I just kind of come in and fit in and yeah. Well, wait, what about like, I would av- actually rather do it these five other different ways. So yep, yep. Or the research <laughs> supports these that the right. five other ways are better than the way let me, executing. Let me yeah. analyze this and give you some recommendations. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, but it's I mean, the struggle is real. But and another thing yeah. that this brings up to me too are words like job and career. And we have this. Ooh, yes. Yes. Oh, this this whole thing too in terms of this whole, oh, thing. This whole thing. We're just gonna Jobs, go <laughs> career. I love it. These are the, what I love about our conversation personally right now <laughs> is like that you're a career transition person. So I think that this podcast represents a transition that lots of people make. And so we can actually look at the language that we're using based on what you're studying yes. and what your business is providing for people. So just getting a little meta, but I love what we're nerding out. I know. Right isn't now, it great? Sure. I mean, who else likes to come in and talk about language and career and job? <laughs> yes. I love it. The it sociologist so- in me is like, yes, exactly. Go, tell exactly. me, how does it impact us? Us using that ter- those terms. The audience is going, what does she do with this business? What does she really do? <laughs> we'll get there. We'll yeah, get we'll there. Talk about- There's concrete things, people. I do concrete things. Yeah, <laughs> she gets people results. Don't worry about Don't it. Worry. That comes. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, but, but the idea. I, this is why I said in a tweet a little while ago. Um, no, academia is a job. It is a, and, and it's a workplace, mm. but we don't want, no, no, it's not that, right? It's mm. a career. Yeah, right? yeah, and yeah. This emphasis, it's a vocation. It's a vocation. That's another one. Yes. Yeah. Right. And this emphasis, yeah. although this is also part of larger society where mm-hmm. you have to get a career, mm-hmm. right? And it, again, it's that monolithic career and it's the monolithic story that you have to buy into mm. and get a career and figure it out. And that's paralyzing to people because they're thinking, it I is. don't know. What do you mean yeah. I have to have a career? Well, and we live in such what is so interesting too as like, um, you know, I, I've said this before in the podcast. I don't know that the episode's aired yet, but like I'm calling myself like the oldest millennial because I'm like <laughs> right on the end. But like those millennials that I kind of am a part of, but we're and I think I I grew up thinking like there actually probably wasn't one career. There is yes. a little bit of the world that we live in that is we can change on a dime. The the startup culture I think is impacting that. Yes. Um, the remoteness of us being able to accomplish jobs and people are you know corporations and the people the small businesses are allowing employees to work from home and that and they're seeing productivity remain the same or if anything get better and so now we're challenging um i think the word career isn't as ingrained in in this next generation and i think we're even evidence of that a little bit because even maybe being older and and writing that line of millennial i don't even know what the other generation is but um but writing that line and being like oh wait like you can you can change your career. I remember when I was leaving 
I remember talking with faculty that were, you know, just about 10 years older than me, some 15, and they were counting down the days to retirement to the point of like, I only have four more years. I only have five. And I was like, they're in a really tough spot. I'm early in my career and my exit feels very like, oh, I can come back if I want. They're like, I've given even more. But then they're seeing their younger colleagues and other colleagues actually, you know, laterally as well, like not just the younger generation, but but leaving and doing other work or doing work on the side and starting to question, oh, like, is it too late for me? Yeah. But so I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is the whole career notion, the word means something to me. And we we push it down the throats of people and it's in our language. Yes. But w- the experience is different. It is. But I why yeah. this perception is still hanging on. And I think it, it's still it's there. Still, yeah. Even for yep. younger people that I, I talk. Yeah. To, the pressure. Right. Because it's, it's right. about school it's, to get a career. Get a career. You're right. Get yes. a career. Yep. Or follow your passion. And if you just do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's that, the millennial version. <laughs> right. Yeah. Get a passion. Yeah. Follow it. Take this test. (laughs) Well, assessments can give you information. That's all they can give. (laughs) That's my disclaimer. (laughs) Assessments can give you information. That's all they can give you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What you do with that information is up to you. Mm -hmm. Assessments are not the story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but the, no, that's like, exactly. We, we still are circling the drain around this a bit. And I think it's, mm-hmm. people don't, people don't like to say, or there's some resistance, I think, to saying, especially if you're, you have degrees and it's, you're like, I have a professional career or I don't have a job mm-hmm. right? because we, mm-hmm. we think about job as it's, you know, it has class connotations. It's got, all yep, ca- it's 100%. got boatloads yep. of connotations attached to Both who wants, those, yeah. who wants to have a job, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but and, and the reality is I, I want to help people understand it's a job. Academia is a job. Being a professor is mm-hmm. a job and, and these are workplaces and, mm. and it's, it's not a mythical land you go to. No. Um, (laughs) they're trying to make it. I think that was, and then you realize and you're at that last rung isn't there. And you're like, wait, what am I, how did I get here? Where's the mythical land? (laughs) And we laugh, but yes. Are you ready for the wrench? I'm about to throw in this because I just said this to my husband because I love, I love this. My business has started to become a job. Yeah. And that is. So let's get into the fairy tale uh-huh. mythical land of entrepreneurship as being the answer to everything. Yeah, yes, I have control over things. However, sometimes I look up and I'm like, oh, where like where's the next where's the next dollar coming uh-huh. from? How am I creating? And I'm like, wait, who is running this ship again? Oh wait, it's oh, me. Wait. I put myself here. <laughs> so then it's like a whole other mind. F- and we're going to bleep that oh, out. That's but like, fine. And, if we can, if we can, and, and, but I think that's really, I think that's really important, right? When we get to the core of, oh, shoot, that's the worst word you can say. I thought I was creating a life of freedom, right? Yeah. And, and I am, and I'm controlling the ship. And I have to keep reminding myself about that and like how, you know, not how lucky I am, but like the decisions that I made to get me here are things I made for myself, for my family. Yep. But, when it starts to not feel like that, whatever word I call it, 
it doesn't feel as good as I want it and can make it feel. And I think that's the key. And so job, the word job has these like negative connotations to it. And as academics, we weren't willing to accept it because we chose that job for very specific reasons, the prestige, the autonomy, the, you know, what, and add it to the list of of the stability and the, you know, whatever recognition. Um, The the side of mind that comes with it. Yeah, exactly. And with and with all the trauma and whatever. Yeah. And and so but then when you use that word, people are starting to be like, oh, yeah, you're right. And because we never used to call it that. And then now I'm actually applying it to entrepreneurship and me running my own business. Have I turned it into a job? Um, Who am I responsible to? Um, Who's making the decisions? And so I guess I'm, I'm curious, do you have a word that we could replace it with? That would be that is that doesn't have that negative connotation. Yeah. Or is it just Oh, it's a job. Oh. It's a job. Yeah. Like is there anything that's not a job? Yeah, right. <laughs> and I think that speaks to it's a job when it's the chores and the part you don't like. The chore, the monotony. Right. Yep. Right. yep. I I would talk with people who would come to me and like this was a few years ago. It was interesting because having a long career in kind of career counseling, coaching, you, you kind of see trends and People would come in and they'd say, um, I don't want I don't want a desk job. Ah, right. yes. And I would yes. say, um, so do you want to work outside? No. <laughs> right. <Because laughs> what they meant was they don't want the job that's in office space, right? Or the office yeah. where yep. y- you know th- like workplaces are horrible five. and it's nine to five and yeah. you're chained to a mm-hmm. desk and, you mm-hmm. know, TPI reports and you have to do these things. <laughs> um, and I think we will link to this in the show notes. Oh, maybe we should. Yes. <laughs> a gif will be at the bottom of yes. this. <laughs> People watch this show. It's like your it's like our societal nightmare of what a job is, yeah. at least our white collar mm-hmm. job. Right. And so sure. um, I would say, you know, it, it was people would, you could tell that there was this real fear of of yeah. of monotony or, or monotony yeah. settling. But every every job has its every. thing, right? I would <laughs> yeah. say every job has its Excel spreadsheets. But there's people who love Excel spreadsheets, and you, I'm glad you love them. We need you. Um, yeah. So the fact is, it's it's just like everything in life. I mean, so we all have our things that we hate and things that we don't like. So Lindsay, what's the, mm. what's the chore you hate the most in your house? If you think about it, what's the chore you Ooh. hate doing? Dishes. Yeah. Dishes. For me, it's, it's dishes. laundry, right? Oh God, it's mm, laundry, laundry again. Mm-hmm. And there's two kids. So God, there's so much laundry in my house. Um, mm. And so I am so lucky because my girlfriend, she loves folding the laundry. I think oh, she does. Nice. <laughs> anyway, well, she's, she's, Oh, she just match made in heaven. Yeah, she just <laughs> chimed in and said she does. So it's perfect. And I'll do the dishes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and yet, you know, what we don't say is we don't say, you know, when we think about our house, we don't say, oh, God, you know, when we think about our chores, does our do we do we change the label for our house? Mm. Or do we say, no. you know, I don't want to be a homeowner because I can't stand the monotony. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even though I like gave up being a homeowner right. like I, a year ago, I, I was like, I hate fixing it up. Exactly. I just realized after I went to that, like not everybody wants to be a homeowner. And that's, that's a very privileged statement. I, mm-hmm. I, excuse me. I made a very privileged statement. No, no, no. Um, but I think, but I think it makes sense. Like, so what are you going to do about it? Right? right. Like that, like 
Yeah. And I what I'm realizing, too, in this conversation as well, it's like our perspective and our relationship to it. What else is happening in our life that's making us um, not be fully present? Right. I think. Right. And like and, and and that's where I'm going with it for me and my business is in many ways. Yeah. What I'm doing, people would love to do. Um, so then how did I create something? How did I you know, put the things in place where I felt like I was performing when we talk about these costumes and yep. and I'm performing entrepreneurship or I'm performing being a CEO. And if something feels like I'm doing it, just doing the chore, doing it over and over again or not connecting, um, that's on me. And that's the cool right. part about being an entrepreneur. But in academia, yes. you could argue, oh, it's the institution is doing this to me in so many ways. Or right. how can you create a thriving, you know, um, tenure position where the experience is not where it's monotony and it's it's this and that. And so within the confines, I guess, of the definition of job is how are we relating to that and what's going on in our life that's maybe having us question or feel differently towards that work. Yeah. And if the work doesn't feel like you're making an impact or, you know, those larger reasons as to why you're doing it, then I think those are the questions people want to be asking, but yes. are also scared to ask because it's tied to income and it's yes. tied to livelihood. And we, not everyone, yeah, gets to make that, that choice. Like a lot of people are, you know, locked into or backed into a corner in so many ways that they can't leave. Um, right. Or anyways, yeah. But also again, that feeling like, well, this is what I know to do. It's so, this is, it's yeah, so exactly. interesting. And this is something I'd love to help people kind of move beyond because for so many people, I think it's there's there's adjuncting, right? Well, if I can't yep. do this, I you know I, I immediately it's like shoots and ladders. I shoot down to the adjunct, and again, I, that's a that's a dismissive statement because mm -hmm. people adjuncts do valuable work. There, many many adjuncts are not not paid for the services that they they yeah. provide. We know this. Yep. And um, and when I say that, that kind of flippant statement, it's not to denigrate that work, but that just so many people, I feel like, wind up as adjuncts mm. and mm -hmm. not necessarily consciously pick that. Um, mm. Because I was on the other side of that divide and I was you know, looking at being in graduate school and realizing, you know, I, I don't want to go on the job market again. I, I don't want to mm. go forward. Um, it didn't, it didn't occur to me to be an adjunct. I went and I found a full-time job instead. Mm. Um, you and in Lisa are admitted. similar in that way. Yes. And I like, yes. I'm like, whoa, I've never heard anyone say that. And that's again, my own, like the story I told myself about my path. Like I, that right. my goal was always to be a professor. I mean, what, well, what, not always, that's not true, but I knew I wanted to do it at a community college, which had its different standards and its different things. And I knew, oh, that's my home, but that was my goal. Like, right. so adjunct was the path towards. Yeah. Right. And and you feel like that, right? Like this is the if if this doesn't work, mm. well, I should go over here and do this other thing. Yeah. Until because I make it. Until this, mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. Or because this is the path, right? Mm -hmm. I'm on this path. It's I I don't know. I wrote this blog post called The Escalator Myth. Mm. 
But this is, and I'm going to, I'm one of these days, I'm going to really push this out here because it's powerful. This idea, right? You get, you climb that ladder or you get on that Mm. escalator and you don't get off it until Mm -hmm. you get to the top of it. Mm. And well, what happens if your escalator breaks Mm -hmm. (laughs) or you just say, this is the wrong, I don't want to go to that escalator. Yeah. I'm on the wrong escalator. I need to like get on the next and go down and go around and go over here. Mm. You know, I don't want to go to sporting goods. Thanks. Um, we, we, but, but we, we have to fight this, this idea that we're taught we're and it's not just in academia, it's in Mm -hmm. large society Mm -hmm. of, oh, wait, you're supposed to progress and advance Mm. upwards up. Yep. Right. And you're, you're saying like, oh, I should be an adjunct quote unquote until I make it Mm -hmm. on, you know, or, you know, because I failed at this other thing. Well, this is the next best thing and mm, I'll do this. Next best. That's yep. next best. Yep. Right. Which is horrible. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't want people to be in in jobs, careers, the 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 magical thing we haven't found a word for yet. Um, <laughs> doing this out of, well, you know, fine. Yeah. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. And that to me is at the, the heart of what I do. Um, in terms of trying to help people, you know, figure out what the story is that they want to tell and tell it so that they can go to the next thing that makes sense mm. to them. Now, you know, when doors close, we all have to have our grief and we have to process it and go through it and think about it and decide what's next. And and of course, that can involve feeling like, well, this thing feels second best because it wasn't this other thing. Yeah. But helping people kind of get through that phase and into some something else that could be equally as challenging, interesting, and fun, or you know, or bring that out in different ways than academia would have. Mm. Um, it's to me, you know, the heart of of who I am and what I do, you know, my work with people, um, because life is really too short to to stay stuck if you mm. if you at all have agency and can can change. It's it's hard, but worth it and doable. And I think those of us who have made those transitions, it's so great that you're doing this podcast, Lindsay, and getting so many of us to to tell the stories mm. so that people can hear this is legit. Like yeah. this is a thing people do. Yeah, yeah. And this is what they're thinking as they or or as they recount how they felt when they walked away from a PhD program or mm-hmm. when they um yeah didn't get that job and turned to something else. And those are all things like. We're we're telling the all the facets of what the exit or the quitlet looks like, right? And right, um, or the stay with it and do both lit, <laughs> whatever. Right, it doesn't have the same ring to it, but but yeah, we're telling all sides of that because um, if anything, and I don't know if you experienced this as you um, made you know decisions that you made in your life that you felt like you were the only one that thought that or felt oh, like yes. that, yeah. And so oh, I think yeah. that's like part of it. Too and the work you you and Lisa are doing with with a PhD is really connecting. Like you know, there's lots of things we can do with a PhD, and let's share and discuss and imagine the new possibilities, right? And exactly. where, like, as we create alternative stories or we tell alternative stories of the narrative that says this is what success looks like in higher ed, or this is what success looks like with a PhD. Exactly, and being able to do that is amazing. Exactly. And for so and I think especially empowering for those of us who come out of fields where there's not a clear alternate path. Mm. And some fields do. Although again, that 
that can be hard because if you're someone who's in a field where, oh, well, then my path, then the other path, if I don't go and do postdocs and and you know go be a PI is that mm-hmm. I go into industry. Well, some yep. people don't want to go into industry, mm-hmm. and then they have that. Okay, well, you know what. I did this and now what? And and that cycle is just something that we all have to get used to because as you you were pointing out as the oldest millennial <laughs> that um, we, we're just going to change multiple times. We are yep. going to go through this cycle again and again and we've got to yep. get comfortable with it and be okay with it. And I know for me, bringing up what you just spoke about as far as when I worked full-time and finished my dissertation – and I defended the dissertation and I felt bad about it for a couple of years mm. afterwards. Like I let these people down. I disappointed mm. them. And then it got to a point, you know, of just having to move through that to realize nobody cares anymore. Mm. <laughs> I, right? I'm doing the thing that I want to do and I'm happy doing it. And they're doing the things that they want to do and they're yep. happy doing it. And that's just fine. Mm. That's great. Yep. And that's a hard, hard place to get to. Yep. Yeah, no, it's not easy. And it's it has to do with a lot of what we talked about today, for sure. Uh, the stories we tell ourselves, right? Yes. And our worth, I think, is is intricately mm-hmm. tied to that. Um, Christy, so I know we've been talking a long time. Um, I would love to hear a little bit about your business and your business model, just because I think I think this podcast is a great discussion that we haven't had yet around... Um, you know, it's it's actually embodies the work that you do. So telling us a little bit about your how your business is set up, um, I think will really also kind of tie it with a nice bow and be like, oh, yeah, this is how Christy helps people. Um, so if you enjoyed where we went with this podcast, um, I'm sure, you know, Christy can help you in so many different ways. So tell yes. us a little bit about how your business is set up and that path that that's been on. Thank you for the opportunity to tell the business story a little bit. Yes, yeah. we, we got we got way out of out of that. So <laughs> what I do is I work a lot with individuals, and I um I will do I do coaching now. I'm pivoting a little bit. I was somebody mm. who was scared to embrace the idea that I do life coaching. It's like no, no, I don't do that. Ah, I do career yes, coaching. There we go. Language, we go. <laughs> right? And then, no, no, I don't do that. But I, I'm realizing again to kind of come back to that word holistic that you know mm. career change of course mm. embodies a lot yes. of the, the work that that people do in terms of life coaching in terms yep. of figuring out the bigger picture. So yep. now I'm now coming to feel good and accept that hey you know what I do is my practice has the focus on career and career transition. So I do the practical work of helping people tell their stories to primarily audiences in terms of hiring and and getting jobs and networking and and that Mm. whole career picture. Um, So the the concrete takeaways are, you know, I will help people with figuring out the career, the next career direction. I help people convert the CV to a resume to write a really powerful resume that reflects their strengths and skills and experience, write the cover letter, practice interviewing so that you're you can tell your stories effectively to non-academic audiences because that's mm. just a shift that mm-hmm. you you have to come to embrace. So I do all of those things um is is what I do, you know, and helping people through things like salary negotiation and okay, now what? Ah, nice. Yes, and you know, how do I how do I leave if I'm trying to leave, you know, what do I how do I get into that headspace? What do I need to think about? Um so I'm 
it's really interesting because my practice gets to embody being strategic, helping people think about their strategy, Mm -hmm. but also um, the creativity of how do you present your story to people on paper and then when you're talking about it. But then there's also that piece of of being with people through transition. So mm. um, I'm really about the story. How do you tell yep. the career story? And that's what that's the support that I provide. And I am working on developing. I've done a couple webinars. Um, my goal nice. is to yes, exactly. My goal is to develop a little bit more um, content in terms of webinars and classes for people. Mm-hmm. Um, I just life got very busy. I was in trying to get a class going and partly got it going and then some life things happened. So, um, but that's, that's my goal for 2019 is to, you know, if people really want the, some people love, I think the connection to other people and the the power of the group. So I want to be able to offer that in practice as well. But a lot of people love to work one-on-one. So that's, that's the majority of Providing multiple ways of, of working with people. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So that is what I do. And I am, my business is called In Kippit Career. I-N-C-I-P-I-T, In Kippit Career. Awesome. Yeah. That and is where you're hanging out mostly on Twitter or are you other platforms as well? I am on Twitter. You can find me at, and I'm sure you'll have this in the notes, but I will say it yes. anyway, www.inkippitcareer.com. Um, you can also find me on my Facebook page, which is In Kippit Career. Nice. Yes. Very cool. And you can check out the articles. I have articles on career transition for PhDs at the Muse. Mm. So happy that they are um, opening up, uh, opening up the topic of career transition, um, PhD career transition to a more mainstream and wider audience. So awesome. I've, yes. Excited to get that story out there. Good. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, cool. So we will definitely link to that in the show notes. Um, I would love to have you leave on a word of advice um, to potentially someone listening as they're, and you can go with the career transition route as they're maybe making the decision to take their next step. You can take the the path of telling them how to, you know, advice on starting their first business potentially too. So um, what would your words of wisdom that you would like to leave people with? Okay, I'll get big and try and get it narrowed down to concrete. So sure. my... <laughs> I think my words of wisdom for people is to accept where you are, wherever you are in your process mm. Um, mm. and and that you have a story that's your own. It's not your advisor's story. It's not your boss's story. It's not your partner's story. It's your story and that you can decide how to tell it. And mm. so whatever that might look like for you, it's okay to start taking really small steps toward mm. whether it's exploring another career or just deciding if you want to launch a side gig, what would that mm-hmm. look like? There are a lot of resources out there if you want to mm. su- support for starting a small business. Speaking of community colleges, Lindsay, a lot of yeah. community colleges offer um, classes for people who want to launch a small business. Um, there's also a cool resource called SCORE, S-C-O-R-E, which mm. is retired executives. And they will yeah. do some coaching and support for people for, for at least initially for free. So that's yeah. another resource if people are interested in entrepreneurship and small business um, that they that's can cool. look into. 
Also try checking out your local chamber of commerce because they may have some resources for people who want to launch and support for people wanting to launch small business. Amazing. Yeah. That was really practical too. We'll definitely link to all of those that you brought up. Cool. Yeah, score I'd never heard of. So that's definitely one I'm adding to my list.